Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello, Texas. Glad to be back with you again for another edition of Texas Ag Today. Jump in, buckle up, let's take a ride around the Lone Star State as we cover the most important industry known to mankind, agriculture. Coming up in the news today, is dollar cotton possible? Well, if you look at the market on Monday, you may not think it is, but there are a few things that could happen that could push us up to a dollar. We'll take a look at what needs to happen to get us to that level coming up. And the cost of everything is on the rise right now, including pasture rental rates here in Texas. We'll check out some of the latest numbers out of USDA to see exactly what it's going to cost you to rent pasture in certain areas of the state. My name is Kerry Martin. I'm your host along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. From the Piney Woods of East Texas to the Rocky Ranges of the Trans-Pecos. And from the Pan handle down to the Rio Grande Valley. That massive drought in the western United States could result in some opportunities for Texas High Plains wheat farmers. I'm James Hunt and I'll have that story on Texas Ag Today. The State Fair of Texas is back as it begins this Friday, September 24th in Dallas with a mixture of tradition and innovation. I'm Tom Nicoletti and I'll have that story on Texas Ag Today. We'll have those stories, plus Texas wildlife news and a complete look at the markets all coming up. Cotton prices have bounced around between 92 and 95 cents for the past few weeks. So what are the chances we'll see dollar cotton this year? Texas A&M cotton marketing specialist John Robinson says it is possible, but it's going to take some extraordinary event to bump prices up to that level. We could still go up from here if there's some other kind of surprise that lowers the expected size of the crop. What would that be? I don't know, a sudden massive hurricane or, you know, once an early freeze starts coming, if, if we give the speculators some fuel to make a bet that the market's going to be smaller than we currently think, you know, that could push us up towards a dollar. It, it could. I mean, we're not that far if we're trading in, in the low to mid 90s, a couple of limit up sessions and we'll be at a dollar. So, I mean, it could happen. I wouldn't wait for it, but I mean, it could happen. Robinson says it's more likely that cotton prices will see some weakness as we move through harvest this fall. Pasture rental rates are on the rise in Texas. Growing demand for land for homes and businesses in Central and North Texas continues to drive land values higher, and that is impacting pasture rental rates. According to a new report from the U.S. Department of Agriculture, ranchers in northeast Texas paid, on average, $13.5 an acre per year for pasture land. Ranchers in the Blacklands are paying slightly less at $13.37 an acre per year. But despite increases in the average in those two regions, it's ranchers in Wharton County on the upper coast that are paying the most for pasture rent. 
USDA estimates that ranchers there are paying $20.5 per acre per year. That's up $2 an acre from last year and is $9 below the Upper Coast leasing average. Ranchers in the Trans-Pecos are paying the least in the state at an average of $1.88 per acre per year. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. If you're a new Texas landowner or a lifelong landowner who wants to brush up on current laws, the Texas A&M AgriLife Owning Your Piece of Texas course is now available online. Ag law expert Tiffany Dow-Lashmet says the course covers everything you need to know about owning land here in the Lone Star State. We've got 13 different topics and it ranges anything you can think of as a rural landowner that might be an issue. Right, fence law, landowner liability, water law, special use tax valuation. We just sort of try to run the gamut for people and just give them at least a high-level overview of the issues they may see while they own rural land. It's an eight-and-a-half-hour course that users can go through at their own pace. Dowell Lashman is also conducting the popular in-person courses around the state. Big Tex is ready to greet fairgoers at the State Fair of Texas. Tom Nicoletti has the story. The State Fair will begin later this week on Friday, September 24th, and conclude on October 17th at uh, Dallas's Fair Park at the State Fairgrounds. And to talk more about uh, this year's fair, we go to Dallas, and uh, Senior Vice President of Public Relations, Carissa Kondoyanis, is with us. And uh, Carissa, 2020 was certainly a very social distancing state fair, but 2021, back to near normal. Talk about that. Howdy. Thanks for having me. And yes, 2020 was something we hope to not have to live again without the State Fair of Texas. The team was able to pivot and create some great events, but we are looking forward to this year in 2021 and welcoming everyone back to say howdy to Big Tech's our 55-foot talking cowboy. Everything with the fair is always a balance of tradition and innovation, making sure we have those mainstays that everybody loves to see and come back to every year from our pig races and all of our livestock shows to our all-star stunt dog show and all the great food that you can get out of the fair. This year, the bird show will be returning to the state fair, to the fair park band show. And we have a new show called Country Roundup, which is a great family-friendly show that'll be out on the midway with animatronics and marionette puppets. It's just very visual and fun to take in as you're strolling across the fairgrounds. The State Fair of Texas team continues to work hard to ensure a safe environment for everyone during the fair this year. And what it comes down to is that Big Tex needs every fairgoer to do your part and most of all be respectful of others and do the right thing because the current health situation we are all living in makes for a very challenging backdrop for our 135 year tradition. That is Carissa Kondoyanis with the State Fair of Texas. I'm Tom Nicoletti and this is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Drought in the western U.S. could create opportunities for Texas high plains wheat farmers. James Hunt tells how from Amarillo. The devastating drought out west has significantly reduced that region's hay production. And Texas A&M AgriLife economist Justin Benavidez says supplies are pretty tight around the country. We've got the U.S. all hay price up above the previous five-year average and up above last year. And so as we offset with more expensive hay, whether it's in the near west or the southern plains, it's just going to encourage 
cattlemen to get more creative about where they find their forage, whether it's because they can't find any hay at all or they're having to pay more for hay, they're more likely to consider renting out some ground for gain rather than continuing to feed hay. And Dr. Benavidez says cattlemen looking to rent ground means available customers for wheat farmers. If you can find a cattleman that you're comfortable working with and you're a wheat producer, I think it's a really good year to try out leasing some of your property for grazing. I think you'll find that there are a lot of calves out there that are going to be looking for some forage for the winter. And in addition to leasing their pastures for grazing, Dr. Benavidez says farmers could also think about taking an ownership stake in cattle. With the expectation that calf prices should continue to rise, they're going to be more expensive to buy this year, but there's some profitability in there if you want to partner on ownership or if you want to own them outright on your own wheat. I think this is a good opportunity for that. There's also some options there. You know, you can ensure both livestock production and grain production on wheat. So there's some extra protection built into that enterprise. And Dr. Benavidez says, depending on your ground, you can graze those cattle on your wheat until the spring without much loss on your eventual wheat yield. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Conditions are getting dry as harvest is about to get underway on the Southern Plains. Tom Nicoletti talks with a Lubbock area farmer about preparing for fall harvest. We go to West Texas now and Eddie Griffiths uh, reports for us uh, out there on the South Plains. And uh, Eddie, uh, here we are uh, early to uh, mid-September and farmers in your region are uh, getting uh, prepared for the cotton harvest. So uh, what, what are they doing in the fields at this point? Well, Tom, right now producers are getting harvesting equipment ready, whether that be for grain or cotton. Some of the corn has been coming out as far as silage is concerned. Producers are getting that out of the field. Corn that's going to grain, it probably lacks, oh, probably three or four more weeks before we start seeing the majority of it come out of the field. Even though I, I noticed this week there was some corn that was drying down pretty good, so probably a little sooner for that corn. But as far as making preparations for cotton harvest, of course, you're seeing lots of cotton strippers coming out so they can start going through those machines and get them tuned up and ready for cotton harvest and also try to make a decision on exactly when and uh, where they're going to start putting out those harvest aids. As you remember, through the summer months, first off with the drought, and then we started getting the rains. This crop was a little bit behind, but it seems like it's caught up pretty quick, and it'll be interesting to see, you know, what kind of yields come out of this crop, whether that plant loaded up fully or if we're missing part of the fruit set on that crop. Now, summer is just about over, and autumn is about to start, and you need uh, some rainfall up there to move these crops along. We definitely do. Uh, There's still lots of irrigation going for the majority of the summer. Irrigation's been minimal just because we've been blessed with the uh, moisture. But here at the tail end, with this shallow-rooted crop, whether it be cotton or grain, whatever the case may be, supplemental irrigation is going out to kind of hold on to that fruit set. And uh, for those with limited irrigation, definitely rainfall would be beneficial, but not too much rain where we get a lot of regrowth out there that we have to try to manage with harvest aids. Eddie, thanks for your report today. Thank you, Tom. I'm Tom Nicoletti, and this is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Hunters on the eastern half of the state have just a few more days left to take advantage of the early Canada goose season. I'm Jessica Domel, and I'll have details coming up on Texas Ag Today. And cleaning your pet's ears is not exactly what I would call a fun task. 
Texas veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up next right here on Texas Ag Today. As harvest begins, the American Seed Trade Association reminds farmers to be diligent in taking the proper precautions to ensure treated seed does not enter the domestic or export grain supply. When properly handled, seed treatments are an effective agronomic tool that provides seeds the necessary protection for a strong, healthy start. Completely remove all treated seed left in containers and equipment used to handle harvested grain and dispose of it properly. Always be careful to follow state and federal guidelines for proper handling, storage, and disposal of treated seed. For more information, visit seed-treatment-guide.com or contact your seed dealer. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Cleaning your pet's ears is not what I would call a fun task. Veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has some advice on how to get that done. The first question you need to ask is, do I need to clean my pet's ears? And the answer is, it depends. If you have a dog that has never had ear problems, then likely you do not need to clean the ears. The reason is cleaning may disrupt the normal flora of the ear canal, which is in good balance, if there's no infection present and no history of infection. Cleaning the ear can also irritate the ear unless you are very careful, and this irritation can lead to infection in an ear that was normal. Even if your dog has hair in the ears, it is not necessary to remove the hair unless there is an ear problem. Pulling hair out of normal ears will irritate the ears and can lead to infection. So if we assume you have a dog that is susceptible to ear infection, like Cocker Spaniels or Labradors, which have ears that hang downward and are floppy, then ear cleaning is needed if they develop recurrent infections. An ear cleaner recommended by your veterinarian that is mild and has the ability to break up wax should be used. The safest method of ear cleaning is to flush a large amount of the cleaner in the dog's ear and massage the base of the ear below the ear canal opening, to make sure the cleaner is dispersed throughout the ear. The next step is to take cotton balls and roll them up like a torpedo and insert them as deep as possible in the ear canal, but leave enough outside so you can retrieve the cotton ball. Again, massage the ear and allow the cotton to absorb the excess cleaner and wax that is present. Continue the process until the cotton balls are clean. Do not use a Q-tip in your pet's ears any further than you can see down in the ear canal. I'm veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd. This is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Hunters in the eastern half of the state have a few more days left to take advantage of the early Canada goose season. Jessica Domel has more in today's wildlife report. Texas hunters have less than a week left to take advantage of the early Canada goose season. Kevin Cry, waterfowl program leader for the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department, says this season is only open to the east zone, which for much of the state is east of IH-35. Our west goose zone has already kind of maxed the amount of days available to them. And so there's not any extra days within the Migratory Bird Treaty Act to allow hunting. So they already have approaching 107 days of what's allowed. Our East Coast Zone did not. And we have a growing number of resident Canada geese in our eastern half of our 
our state. And so it was just a great opportunity for us to take advantage of days that are allowed to us on an increasing resource. Some hunters may target Canadian geese, while others may see them while hunting teal. For the most part, like some other species, these are largely urban-related birds. You know, there's lots of water in East Texas and city parks and golf courses and things that they relate to. But in the early fall, they begin to group up and kind of fly out to fields outside the city limits. Go to hay fields, go to grain fields, and kind of lend themselves to hunters a little more than the rest of the year. And so it's just a great opportunity for a handful of people to take advantage of that. The early Canada goose season is still fairly new. It's only been around for five or six years. It took a while for it to catch on, but you know, looking at some of the harvest data and the hunter participation data, it seems to be growing each and every year, and we're seeing more and more people take advantage of it. Early Canada goose season in the east zone closes on Sunday, September 26th. Hunting season for light and dark geese opens in November for both the west and the east zones. The light geese conservation order opens in late January for the east zone and in February for the west zone. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. Most of the trade in the agricultural markets on Monday had nothing to do with agriculture. All eyes were on the financial markets. We'll take a closer look at all of Monday's livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financials coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. When we moved to Texas, we were like fish out of water. We didn't know anyone in our neighborhood until our Texas Farm Bureau insurance agent came to the house. She was so helpful and reassuring, a friendly face with that Texan hospitality I'd heard about. When we purchased a Texas Farm Bureau insurance policy, we knew we were making the right choice. We knew our family would be protected. Visit Texas Farm Bureau Insurance today at tfbinsurance.com to find an insurance agent who's a true neighbor. Coverage and discounts are subject to qualifications and policy terms and may vary by situation. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. Most of the talk in the agricultural markets on Monday didn't have anything to do with agriculture. Most eyes were on the financial markets as the Dow was down as much as 900 points at one point during the trading day. Now, the cattle market seemed to be a bit immune from that. It ended up closing mixed with some contracts higher, some contracts lower. October live cattle down to 122.77, the December up 55, 128.07, February live cattle down to 131.52, feeder cattle finishing mostly higher, nearby September up 12, 155 even, the October up 30 at 156.67, November feeders up 52 cents, 156.62. Cash fed cattle trade quiet on Monday. The show lists appear to be mixed, a bit lower here in Texas, as well as Nebraska and Colorado, looking for higher numbers this week in Kansas. Boxed beef was higher on Monday. Choice up $1.20 at three fifteen sixty seven. Select up $0.56 cents to eighty thirty one. Now let's check the auction barns. We're walking the pens with Larry Marble. Here's that glass of iced tea I promise you every day. While we drink up, let's talk to Gary Butler, Nixon Livestock. Gary, how did last Monday's sale go? Well, we had a big one, Larry. We wound up with 1,802 head, 181 cows and 17 bulls. 
We had uh, 227 sellers and 53 buyers. Two and three weight steers, a dollar 34 to 219 heifers, a dollar 34 to a dollar 93. Three and four weight steers, a dollar 42 to 213 heifers, a dollar 33 to a dollar 95. Four and five weight steers, a dollar 41 to two dollar heifers, a dollar 29 to a dollar 80. Five and six weight steers, dollar 28 to a dollar 60. Nine heifers, a dollar twenty-two to a dollar seventy-eight. Six seven weight steers, dollar twenty to a dollar forty-six heifers, a dollar sixteen to a dollar sixty-eight. Seven eight weight steers, bull yearlings, dollar nineteen to a dollar forty-two. And the heifers were one hundred four to one twenty. Slaughter cows, we got thirty to eighty-four. Slaughter bulls, ninety-three. Uh, stocker cows didn't have a whole bunch of palpate cows, six fifty to eleven hundred, and we had one pair. We'll bring us a cow with a second calf, bring 1550 Larry. Good. Do you know of anything for this next Monday? It's a little early yet, but I'm sure we'll have, uh, I'm sure we'll have that 1000 to 12, 1500 uh, next week also, Larry. Tell everybody how to get a hold of you, Gary Butler. <clears throat> There you can get us here at the sale barn, 830-582-1561-62. Catch me on mobile, 830-857-4330. Now, Gary, y'all have got some hours of operation change. Let's start with the change on Saturday. Uh, we're open from 8 to 5 on Saturdays, and on Sundays we're open 8 to 8. Neighbor, that was Gary Butler, Nixon Livestock. We appreciate you listening to Walking the Pens. I'm your host, Larry Marble. I'll have another glass of iced tea for you tomorrow. See you then. Thanks, Larry. Back over to the futures market now. We're lean hogs. Close lower. October hogs down 75 cents, 84.97. The December down 82 at 74.22. Class 3 milk slightly higher. September milk up a penny, 16.62.100. October milk up 5 at 17.23. The financial market situation seemed to have the most effect on cotton and grains. The cotton market getting hit especially hard. The October contract dropped. 343 points. We closed at 89.89. December now below 90 cents. It dropped 331 points to close at 89.02. A lower close for corn and wheat. December corn down five and a half, 521 and three quarters. July Kansas City wheat down 10, 706 and three quarters. July Chicago wheat down four at 699 and three quarters. November rough rice down five and a half, 1372 and a half. November soybeans dropped 21 and a half, 1262 and a half. In the energy markets, lower prices. October natural gas down 18 cents, 492. October crude oil down a dollar 39, 7058. As we've mentioned throughout this report, the lower financial markets, the big talk of the market on Monday. As of our recording time here, the Dow down 736 points, 33,848. The NASDAQ down 399 at 14,646. The S&P dropped 90 points at 4,342. That wraps up our look at the markets, and that wraps up this edition of Texas Ag Today. Don't forget, we'll be right back here tomorrow to bring you all of the latest news in Texas agriculture. I'm Kerry Martin. Hope to see you next time right here on Texas Ag Today. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.